This is the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. Detroit is the greatest! Straight up light you on fire for a Coney dog right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Motor City Sports Rant. I am Jason Jarvie. Follow me on Twitter at Jarvie the King. Sitting across from me, as always, John the Doc Macaroon. Aren't you going to play your drop? No, you're, no. You're not even pressing. You're not even hovering over it, waiting for me to finish. I'm excited that our paths crossed over the weekend. It was a very fun time. I had myself a great weekend, other than watching the sports in town, because Unfortunately, bro, the only team that's worth uh, that's worth note talking about is you know the maize and blue, Michigan no, State, no, the Lions, the Tigers. They're all. I'm excited terrible. to talk about the Pistons and the Red Wings. Oh, are you really? Bright futures, really. You and nobody else. <laughs> hey, the Pistons are their power rate came out and they're looking at number four in the East right now. Monday was media day, and I thought to myself when I started seeing the coverage, you know what? No one really talked about the Pistons the entire summer. And I know we're going to start talking about it later on down in, in the coming weeks. But, yeah, man, the, the Pistons got a lot of uh, a lot of work to do with in terms of PR and marketing because they're probably the only team that legitimately has a chance to make the postseason. But they got to do a lot more to get themselves out there because, you know, right now the Detroit fan base is starving for a winning team. And that it might be the Detroit Pistons, and that's it, because the Wings right now, I don't know if, if looking at their lineup right now, how things shake out, if the ceiling for them is making the postseason and one and done. So I think this is going to be a tough year for the Red Wing fan base, that's for sure, the, men, the, the, the very few that are out there. And right. But, but there's going to be way more time for us to talk about those. They're just about to get into their preseason, I think. The Wings, they start theirs on Tuesday against uh, Sidney Crosby and the Penguins. Is it April yet? Oh, yeah, right. Is it? We're back at that. We're at that already? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but yeah, we it was a, a a very poor sports weekend in Detroit. Otherwise, for the the Amarillo and Blue. But yeah, uh, Saturday night we our paths crossed, and I had no idea. I mean, how long? So my my wife says, "Let's go. We're gonna go out. We're gonna go spend some. Uh, we're gonna go out to a bar with uh our some of our friends, just uh two friends." So I'm like, "Okay." I I worked a twelve hour shift at the radio station. And I hadn't really eaten anything. And this is a bar where you can bring food in. So my mind was really on, what are we going to bring in for food? And she's like, oh, we'll just order some pizzas. Well, I'm, and in my mind, I'm like, if we order pizzas, it's going to take like another 45 minutes. So all the way on the drive there, I'm just like, oh, gosh, the pizza. We're going to have to wait for pizza? I mean, they have free popcorn there, but I didn't really want to wait. So we get, we finally get there. I see that. I see my our, my friend's car. They're already there. So I'm like, okay, that's good news. And I walk in, and lo and behold, it was a surprise birthday party for me, which I had I had absolutely no idea. This was my first surprise party, and I give kudos to my wife and everybody 
for keeping it a secret because I was completely flabbergasted. It was nice. It was at, uh, is it called Kunin Bar? Kunin. Kunin uh, uh, Brewery. Kunin Brewery in uh, Warren, Michigan. It was very nice. My first time going there, I had no idea that place was even there. Granted that you talked about it on this very podcast, I thought you were talking about the one that's located on Grossbeck. I don't know, it slipped my mind that there's one on Warren. There was a, you know, St. Anne's Festival was going on right next door. So it was very festive. It was fun. And uh, did you know the details about the planning beforehand? What went down? I, I finally, I talked to my wife and she said for about two and a half, about two and a half weeks ago, she just started, she created a, a secret Facebook group and sent out all the feelers to everyone I knew to see if they'd be able to come. And it really, it was a great collection of guys, correction, a collection of friends and family. And I, I was completely blown away. And I was, it was one of the, probably one of the best experiences that I've had. And kudos to me because everyone was excited to, to yell out surprise. And I had the wherewithal to pull out my phone and be like, hey, someone needs to take a video of this. I probably should have took more, but uh, I'm running low on the, on the uh, total gig space here on my iPhone. But I took okay. a quick – I took a Snapchat. I did a Snapchat, 10 second, right at the moment when you walked in. So it was very cool, and uh, you deserved it. It was fun. I enjoyed it. I like uh, – I wasn't, I wasn't sure if I was going to like, you know – Going to a place where it has their, they, they make their own beer and stuff. So my wife laughed because uh, the waitress comes over and I'm like, "Do you guys by chance have Guinness?" Oh god! <laughs> and she looked at me like, "What?" I'm like, "You know what? Maybe if they have something off the cuff." I didn't know. She's like, "John, they make their own beer." I'm like, "Okay, good. They it's make a their, brewery. They make their own beer. So that means they have to exclude other beers. That one would sell, don't you think?" No, they have like eighteen different beers. They probably had something that's close to get to Guinness. Yeah, what they, did, did you have? You had like probably like a porter or a stouter, right? No, I didn't know what to order, so I took a long time on the menu. So I just ordered the American Light, basically. Oh, light. boo, <laughs> boo! Well, it was your brother's fault because you know what he did was he ordered the sample of like five, and he was like, "This isn't good. This isn't good." And he was like, mm, "He liked three of them. I think he disliked two of them." So I was a little bit finicky. I'm like, oh, "I don't know what I like," and there was some. There was such a wide range of percentages of alcohol if from like 4%, 10%. Yeah, if you don't know what to order, order the one with the highest alcohol content. The highest? Yes. Why? Because then you get the drunkest quickest. <laughs> That's what you do. You go for the one with the 10.5%. You don't go for the American light. with That's like, it was probably like 4%. Yeah, it was perfect. It oh. went down with the popcorn and the pizza. So you something? got the Bud Light of beers. I got the Bud Light of beers. <sighs> Next I time you'll take me and you'll kind of, maybe we'll do a sampler and we, we do, can pick five. You really should do the sampler. It's a... Uh, I, I highly suggest I'll, I'll promote him again. Kunin is a great brewery, uh, and for anybody who's who likes craft beers, it's it's a place to go. And I would suggest the Drippa. They're they're definitely known for that one. That's one of their best. I had the Drippa. I had the Sizen, which was it was a strong flavored beer. I couldn't drink too much of that. The last one I had, I had an Amber Ale, and that was one that I could have drank all night because that one was a a solid tasting beer. And I, I do have to apologize to everybody for me sounding like this. I do have a cold at the moment, uh, unfortunately, but I'll power through it. I'm doing it all for you guys. Yeah, man. Uh, it's going around, too. My wife is dealing with the same kind of thing. The kids she might have got it, it from me. Yeah, probably. No, she had a little bit beforehand, but she got it from the kids because it's going around. When you got kids they and, and they start school and they pass the germs back and forth. But, hey, for me... It was a fun time. Then walked over to the St. Anne's Festival. My goodness. I, you went to the Sausage Fest? I went to the Sausage Fest. I was like, hmm, what a very interesting name for an event, for a church school, a Catholic school event. But, woo, it was packed with the gambling, with the rides and the drinking beer tent. My goodness. 
People of Warren definitely came out to support that. It was packed on Saturday night. Yeah, St. Anne's has been doing it forever. And I know, you know we used to, before my wife worked at the school, uh, we always used to pass it and kind of make jokes about the sausage fest. But it, yeah, it's, it's a it's a great place. It's, and, you know, I I live over on the east side and I we generally go to St. Joan of Arc. And their festival is also, it's gigantic. And it's gotten to the point where they've had to put up fences to and put like curfews out for underage people because they would just have roving groups of teenagers hanging out and they had some issues break out. And I was talking with my wife and we were wondering, maybe St. Anne's is, is onto something. If, if kids hear the Sausage Fest, they're not going to go and want to hang out at the Sausage Fest. So maybe St. Joan just needs to change it to something strange like, I don't know, the, the Pierogi Festival. Mm-hmm. And then they, they won't have that problem anymore. Well, we had a good time. I'm glad you got a chance to enjoy your birthday celebration for the third time, I hear. Yeah. But uh, a little bit little bit of backstory. Your wife tried to plan an event to go to the Foling Warehouse. And it was something where my wife uh, wanted to go do it because we've never done it before. But, uh, it, you know, things fell through a little bit. And then she just, your wife decided, okay, let's do it here at uh, Coonan because you're a big fan. And it was actually perfect for me because going down to Hamtramck, uh, the, the only time we could have got lanes was 10 p.m. to midnight. Yeah, and I was I was really probably one of the biggest things is that that all the schedules really work together because I have I have friends they work on the weekends uh, two specifically that they're in uh, they're bands that they play for uh, weddings and all that kind of stuff and the fact that they were able to make it that you were able to make it out I had a, a friend who lives out in Belleville who came up here it was it was a great time and I was just so thankful that everybody came out and and wanted to celebrate with me. Good stuff, bro. You're 30 years old, and, uh, you know, it's a fun time to get out, have a good time, have some beer, and definitely, if a place has self-serve popcorn, lightly salted, you got me there. I'm happy. I loved it, and uh, maybe one day I will try the experience of uh, signing up for the class or signing up for the program and making my own beer. 75 cases, hey, maybe I'll give it away to a lot of different people, but to make my own beer would be kind of fun. It seems like a a nice excursion, nice, uh, maybe something fun to do with the family and some bros. So for sure, we're going to just have to go back there anyways to have more than just the, the light beer. And and we'll probably take you to another place that has some nice meads, but let's, let's start talking about some sports. Uh, you know, my birthday, it's two weeks ago now. So the weekend was horrible, uh, for football and baseball. And I want to start talking about the Lions. You know, the Spartans happened on Saturday, but that we can get into that in a little while. The Lions were the biggest thing. And watching the game, I thought I had a little bit of hope going in on Sunday. I had it in my mind, at least fantasy-wise, that Jordy Nelson was going to, Jordy Nelson and Aaron Rodgers were just going to shred our, our defense. And they soundly did. But I thought that we'd at least be able to come out and compete and in the first quarter, first half, it was just a uh, I wanted, disaster, complete utter disaster. And I, I tweeted it out. I said, "Okay, let's just pack it up. Let's it's game over and, at thirty-one to seven, and or thirty. What was it? Thirty-one to three. And then I think probably the worst thing that happened though is that we did actually come back in this game. You know, going thirty-one ten in the first half. I think if it would have just progressed and been a complete blowout we could have stopped watching and then gone think, about our day well not just that i think if that happens and we just get blown out of green bay we may be talking today about jim caldwell not having a job but because the the packers essentially sat on their heels and the the lions were able to claw back in the game 
now we're seeing oh we were able to we were able to get back in this game but we had no chance ever see the organization probably knew it and when you look at it and evaluate it most people penciled this in as a loss but the way that the Lions lost is something that we definitely are going to talk about. But a real organization would really be evaluating and putting Jim Caldwell on the hot seat because he continues to be very passive. Things happen, and when you look at what the Lions do and their game plan, obviously you knew that Aaron Rodgers was going to throw the ball all over the place. Did you dial up any blitzes? Did you maybe try to pressure him more than you did? And you say, well, could they even execute it if they dialed it up? You would like to see hell, at least try to ruffle the feather ruffle the feathers of Aaron Rodgers. You didn't do it. And you come out there and you get smoked. I thought that was gonna happen. I had predicted, I don't know why in my spirit I felt like the Lions were gonna get down early, but then come back. I thought they had enough to come back, but they got down too much. And the reason is quite simple. You only send four linebackers to the entire game. You're injured, and it just it was prone, you know, Adam called it from the Doc and Jock podcast. You were ripe for an ass whooping, and most people aren't going to take stock in the fact that they came back because Green Bay, for whatever reason, it's really hard to coach a team to really throttle another team because naturally you let off a little bit, and Marvin Jones made some plays. Matthew Stafford was able to lead some touchdown drives, but in the end, when the game mattered, you took an ass whooping. It's uh, you know, But when you look at the schedule ahead, if the Lions can win in Chicago, you could be looking at maybe a four-game winning streak, but that Philadelphia game now looks like a really, really tough game and one where you know Jim Schwartz might be carried off the field again. But talking about the Lions game for me, when it ended, I've been noticing for me the last couple of games kind of emotionless. I'm kind of just watching going, well, you, you kind of knew they were going to lose. You kind of knew that Aaron Rodgers was not done. You knew that he was going to pick apart the secondary. I knew it. I called 21-10 at halftime. I didn't think they'd give up that many points, but... What are you going to do? You're depleted. And so the first thing I'll ask you is, how much do the injuries give Jim Caldwell and the Lions a reprieve? You say, well, a lot of people I asked regarding what you think about Terrell Austin now as a defensive coordinator, most people were like, there's too many injuries. You got to give him a pass. I don't think you give these guys a they. What happened last year then? I get that Levy wasn't there, but you had a fully healthy Ziggy Anza. Last year. You, you can't. You can't give these guys a pass. I get that. Not having Anza, not having Levy, not having who who else on the on the linebacker core? DeAndre he, Levy's backup, Antoine Williams, I think was Antoine gone too. Williams. He was a seventh round pick, though. Anyways, mm-hmm. I can't, you can't give these guys Amir a pass. Abdullah. You're starting running back. Okay, then why do you? They kept going Theo Riddick, and Theo Riddick was ineffective against the Green Bay Packers. You know, you bring in Dwayne Washington. I don't. I mean, they probably didn't run the ball enough to really give themselves an accurate rep- representation on how to uh, how the running game would do against a good defense. You look at them though, they didn't have Clay Matthews. So that was one thing you didn't have. I think there was just there was poor poor play calling all all up and down the all but down the game on offense on defense. You said it that they they didn't even try to pressure Aaron Rodgers. It looked like he was literally out there playing against uh dummies. He was throwing the ball. It looked like I honestly felt that he was laughing as he came up, as he threw like his fourth touchdown. Then he comes out the field. He's like, ah, oh man, this, this is just too easy. And it's, it's so, it's so disheartening. And when it was 31 three at that point, I was emotionally checked out of the game. I, I could care less. You know, I, I, I was, I checked it to see what they were doing. And, you know, I was like, oh wow, they got it back to 31 24. Are they going to be able to do it? Probably not. See, I hate the fact that I'm more serene now watching the Lions, but 
I know what's going down. I mean, when you look at it, I called it. I knew they were going to take an early, you know, it was going to be challenging early to stay in that game. You have the emotion of Green Bay coming back to Lambeau Field, now their season opener. You had the excitement. You had a lot of talk, the national buzz regarding Aaron Rodgers. Is he done? Is the Green Bay offense, you know, done? You know, is there a power struggle between him and head coach McCarthy? You had all that noise going on around them, and he just went out there and shut everybody up. You know, everyone kind of knew that, well, he's going to get healthy versus the Detroit Lions. They're going to look really, really good. But something that happened during the game that was really interesting, and I thought that we wouldn't learn new NFL rules watching the Lions, but I had never heard of until the fact that um, it was done before. I believe Randall Cobb did the same thing maybe a year ago, a year or two ago. But did you know that if a guy standing out of bounds grabs the football, then it's considered out of bounds and the 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 the, the receiving team gets the ball at the 40? I had no idea. I it's, was shocked. That, that is that, the dumbest rule ever. I, Aside from the, the catch rule, that is the dumbest rule ever. Why is it that these new creative rules get, uh, get we learn about it watching a Lions game? It's I was always shocked. on the Lions. It isn't and crazy? The, the thing about that is, I know that Fox had their technical difficulties right at this moment, is I wanted to see Jim Caldwell in the face of the referee at that point and saying, what the fuck? Yeah. What the... What just happened? Yeah. And I wanted to hit, see him blow a gasket but because why would you blow, it just blew my mind. Why would you blow a gasket? He followed the rules. The, the, that was a rule that I guess the, you know, the Green Bay receiver understood. He's a Stanford grad, knew the rule, and it happened, uh, it happened similarly to one of his teammates. I and get he knew that it's it. A he rule. knew it. He knew it. I get that it's a rule. I want to see it, though, I, I, because I just believe that he's going with the flow, that he doesn't really care what's happening. And if he's not blowing up the ref, I want him to blow up at Sam Martin because, God damn it, Sam Martin, just kick the ball out of the end zone. Yeah. Just do that every single time. If you can't accurately you know, kick it to the, to the goal line so they have to return it, kick it out of the goddamn end zone. But you know, a new strategy that's kind of being you know used by New England is to kick it really high. Yeah, and- but New England can actually do <laughs> execute, it. Yeah. Sam Martin... <sighs> He's he's so frustrating. I just, give me back Jason Hansen. I, can we sign him again? Sam Martin. He has like one of the biggest legs I've ever seen, and he can make amazing kicks. But then he has he's also one of the worst kickers I've ever seen. And then he has this this I don't know. It's something in him that he just has a brain fart, and he's uh, I'm gonna kick the ball twenty yards. Well, some of the positives you could take away from the game was Marvin Jones really, really came on and was able to really, you know, really solidify his relationship with Matthew Stafford. Yeah, he they looked like the, they got, he good, got the they garbage got good yards that, uh, that Megatron always got. That was Stat great, for, for, great for Marvin Jones. Oh. You know, eight targets, six receptions, woo, 200 yards. That got us absolutely zero. It, and it, you feel like it's a wasted performance. Stafford had some great numbers, but unfortunately, again, on the road versus a decent team, the the team as a whole collectively just wasn't able to perform and get the W. It's a wasted performance because it makes a it makes the perception of the team that it was a lot closer than it really was. When really we're miles away from the Green Bay Packers at this time. And it makes Jim Caldwell look like, oh, he's not doing that bad of a job. We only lost by a touchdown. But in reality, we were down by twenty-eight. So we Jim Caldwell should not be the coach of this team at the, right now. I'm thinking that they're going to evaluate him throughout the course of the year. When they finish 7-9, and 8-8, eight and eight, 
I do believe a change probably is going to be made. But what's more concerning for you right now? The fact that, you know, Taylor Decker and Lakin Tomlinson are really, really struggling on the offensive line or the defense and the injuries and the fact that really you this kind of goes to the fact that the depth on the lines isn't where it needs to be because if you suffer some major injuries like that, it looks like the guys that they're calling upon probably can't do the job as well. What's more be, concerning to you? You got to be more concerned about the defense at this point because even as bad as Decker and Tomlinson may be, you saw on Sunday that if he's as long as he's healthy and not getting the the crap kicked out of him, Stafford does have his head on a swivel and he has the ability to avoid pass rushers unless he gets completely blindsided by Julius Peppers again. So the defense has to be the biggest concern right now because outside of Kerry Hyder, you have no good prospects on your defense. Darius Slay has been he's been slipping up. Tavon Wilson, Raphael Bush, not doing too much. Glover Quinn seems to not be making any plays, even though he got the interception the other week. It's you, you aren't, I'm not seeing any plays being made by this defense. And one point that you made, and that's why I agree with you, I think the defense is a little bit concerning, but we have to be worried about Lakin Tomlinson and Taylor Decker because their first round picks that are, that were allocated for those positions, they got to do a much better job because they do need a running game. But a, a, despite the fact they were down, the Lions were within one possession. All you need to do is stop Aaron Rodgers on that third down play. And I'm like, okay, what are the odds that they're actually going to maybe pressure Aaron Rodgers or maybe force him to make a, you know, maybe a turnover or maybe get the ball back with one more chance to go? And what happens? You know, the plays run. Green Bay, you know, sends their receivers out. The play breaks down a little bit. So what does Aaron Rodgers do? He's got a free lane to run and pick up. I think it was third and eight at the time. Oh, well, and Caldwell the game was probably, over. Caldwell probably thought it was going to be like a pass back and forth type thing, right? See, and, and you're like, you know what? This is another situation in which the Lions had an opportunity. Despite what whatever went on, the Lions right now, at this point in time in the season and what you see, they're basically one to two key plays short of being a successful football team. They can whoop up on the Bears. They can whoop up on teams that are injured themselves, like the Colts. But you see that any team with a serious offense or an ability to you know, run the football or have a, has a decent quarterback, they're going to have a hard time right now. Um, it's going to be interesting to see when a guy like Ziggy Ansah comes back because you know the Lions are keeping mum regarding all the injuries. We don't know if Levy's going to be back this year. We don't know, you know really what's going on with Ziggy Ansah. They're keeping it very tight-lipped, but I'm a little bit hopeful in that, okay, we're 1-2 right now, but we're playing the Chicago Bears, and right now their quarterback is Brian Hoyer, and I believe did Langford is the news that Langford is out for the year. Or I haven't heard that, but if that is... Yeah, the Bears, we can we should win this game. You should go into Chicago, come away with a win, you're two and two. But I'm looking at the schedule going forward. We may not see another win until November. Hit me with the schedule. What we got? After the Bears, you get the Eagles at home. That's gonna be a tight game. Carson, Carson Wentz, Wentz might be coming out party at Ford Field, right? He's uh, exceeded every expectation. You know, th- this is a guy who I thought he was going to I'm not even sure if he was gonna, you know dress every single week I thought he was going to be the third string quarterback gets thrown in last minute and the dude looks like the second coming of big Ben Roethlisberger he's you know just slinging the ball around he's got the Eagles at three and oh I don't that's a game that I I put it probably at a loss right now really yeah and, and then after that you get the LA Rams coming to town which with even with all their issues they're two and one right now 
They have a really, really good defense. If you uh, any any team with Aaron Donald on it, it's going to be a tough game. So this is a very key game versus the Bears. Now, we've had success, I believe, now versus the Bears the last two seasons, where in the past it's been up and down, but Jay Cutler's been hurt. Brian Horner's leading that team, and a lot of people are really really criticizing the Chicago Bears and the mess of football that they play. You know, they played uh, Dallas, I believe. And yep, they, Sunday night. They were rolled. And you go, you should be able to go on the road and really handle your business. But, again, now any game with the Lions, you can't make assumptions. They actually have to go out there and execute. You know, when you play the Bears, you just got to go out there, hit them in the mouth, probably force a couple turnovers. But you don't want to see Brian Hoyer give him time and let him pick you apart. Because Brian Hoyer is not going to pick you apart. Slow down there. I can it's be the, I'm the Lions. I'm gloom and doom on this team, on the Lions, but Brian Hoyer is not going to pick apart this team. I mean, Alshon Jeffrey may have uh he may get like two touchdowns out of this game, but this team isn't going to pick apart the Detroit Lions. And so yeah, you, you believe that uh it's pretty much likely that the Lions offensively should be able to do a lot of different things. The offense is a very, very, you know, strong unit right now, and they're playing very, very well. It, it's unfortunately it's tough to judge the Green Bay game because they were down so much. And by that point, it, you know, you could say that uh, Stafford and everybody else was padding their stats. But I do believe versus a lesser competition like the Bears, we should be looking at if they execute the game plan, they should be doing okay. They should walk away from uh, Soldier Field with a win. Yeah, that's one game, though. You, so you're 2-2. Two and two. And going on what the team is right now and looking at all the teams that they're playing— I I don't have a very good outlook. Just I'm gonna I'm I'll just roll through it real quick. I think Eagles loss. Rams I think it's a loss. Redskins I think that's a loss. Texans probably a loss. Vikings loss. Jaguars I think that's probably the the next team you have a fighting chance against, and that's November twentieth. Vikings again loss. Saints loss. Bears again. There's another win. So that's two more wins. Giants lost, Cowboys lost, Packers lost. Mm-hmm. I just detailed a four and twelve season. Oh boy! I thought this team was going to be at least eight and eight, and now, <sighs> Jason, it was going to be a struggle to be eight and eight with everybody healthy. Oh, man. So that's why I feel like I'm emotionless, and that's why I feel like I'm kind of able to weather the storm. Is that we pictured them to be seven and nine, eight and eight, maybe going nine and seven, ten and six if things fell their way. But now that you got key injuries to three of your guys. You go, well, you lower expectations because when have the Lions been known to just roll through guys? This isn't New England here. We're not going to, you know, New England rolls through not only their backup, but the backup's backup, and they walk away with victories. The backup, you know, Brissett got points. He was able to score, looked like he could do some things. This isn't a system. I get it. I get it. And I think I made the same assumption is that you needed a perfect season. You needed people to stay healthy. It just, it hurts to talk it all through it does and to, to yeah. realize everything of what we have coming up. And I I don't have high expectations. I think 8-8 eight and eight at this point is the best that you're going to hope for. I think I would be ecstatic to see eight wins. I'm trying to see how long the Lions can stay in games because – you know, when, you're, when your defense isn't getting pressure on a quarterback, you're going to get beat in this league. If you can't run the football, do you think that the Lions and Jim Caldwell and the staff recognizes, like on a depth chart, who's really better than who? Do you really believe that um, it took them to watch Dwayne Washington on the field on Sunday to probably realize he should have been the number one over Theo Riddick? Because, or you get into the first quarter, you see Riddick's numbers running right into the line. No, no holes are opening up that maybe you just a little bit sooner 
throw in Washington. I just feel like the Lions stick with their strategies similar to the Tigers. When they don't work, they don't maybe switch out of it fast enough. I thought I thought going into the game, maybe switch it up a little bit. Maybe throw a curveball in, even if it's not the right decision. You know, Theo Riddick, you could have maybe thought going into the game he might have struggled versus Green Bay. Throw in uh, Dwayne Washington, see what he can do, and maybe just maybe you get an emerging star and you're able to maybe turn the tide and not get out to such a deficit or you maybe keep up with Green Bay. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't go sooner because I get part of the reason I get running it to keep the team, the defense honest. So you're not just, you know, rushing for and letting your letting Matt Stafford try to throw it into double coverage. But Theo Riddick, you saw from the outset that they were just waiting for them to, to hand off the ball and he couldn't juke every single player. So they were just getting to him in the backfield. It was is reminiscent of Barry Sanders watching him get tackled five yards behind the line, but he isn't good enough to then come back and deke people out and go gain a 20-yarder. And you saw immediately when Dwayne Washington gave the ball, even if when he hit the pile, he could at least move it a couple yards. So instead of getting pushed back for a loss of five, you're getting maybe two or three yards. Going forward, Dwayne Washington really should be the first and second down running back. If you want to put Riddick, in, have a two running back system, put Riddick and Washington out there. I think you can make that work. But Riddick, I, and I think we said this before, that he really isn't an every down back. He is more of your pass catching running back. He's the guy that you put in there on third down. Or he was actually really productive when you put him in the slot as like as a receiver. That's He has experience doing that. So if they come out this next week against the Bears and start running Theo Riddick again uh, out of I formation. It's, I have no defense. I have I I try to do everything I can to defend this Detroit Lions team. I cannot defend that man. And uh, the other salt in the wound for me was um, my fantasy team really underperformed. If I had uh, set the lineup correctly, if I put in Stafford versus Green Bay, maybe just thinking that they would be down and he would pad his stats. Uh, he dropped 39 points, and I had Tavon Austin on the bench. So I'm um, my opponent has 92. I got 46, and I have uh, Drew Brees. So, oh, jeez. But that's a that's a scenario where I'm not really bummed out because it had to go perfect, perfect. I would have had to sit. Uh, I would have had to bench Diggs and put in Austin and bench Drew Brees and put in Stafford. It's very rare you go perfect, perfect instead of perfect lineup every week. So I'm poised to be 2-1, and one, and barring a offensive output by Willie Sneed. I'm up 15 in another league. So if he goes 100 in a touchdown, I might be 0-2 this week in fantasy. But uh, I was, you know what, all I can say is my wife is ecstatic. She went off uh, on Cousin Adam and uh, she dropped 140 on him. Good stuff. Good to see and, and Jock I know, get uh, busted in the face. Again, by both the, the macaroons because I, I, I beat him by 60. He's about to take another huge loss by the misses. And I know we talked a little bit about uh, Todd Gurley. He went off. so she was, Good. I'm glad she listened she, to me. Yes. She wanted to relay the message that Gurley did good finally. And uh, she's oh, off. She to, wants to give me all that crap for having a bad season last year. I just drafted your team. If you wanted to draft a better team, make it the draft. And like you said, and I really believe it, sometimes it's all about luck because, you know, everybody was looking and, and going, what the hell happened to Kelvin Benjamin? You know, he did he piss off Cam Newton because he got nothing? No touches? Cam Newton sucked, though. Yeah. The, the my whole... wife had Cam Newton. <laughs> she, in her matchup against my, my nephew, she they're actually tied right now. Neither of them have any other players. They're both tied at 107. She's like, that's so dumb. <laughs> what the, 
what the hell? Nothing worse than a fantasy tie, right? And oh. it was it was scary too because she had Des Bryant and Jason Witten last night, and like the first play we watch, and he gets he goes down with the with the knee, and I'm like, oh my gosh! She's like, what? It's two plays in the game just started. I'm like, oh, that's fantasy football for you. Yes, sir. All right, let's take a quick timeout, regroup here, come back, and let's break down what the hell happened to Michigan State. They were punched in the mouth, and uh, some news and notes. <laughs> news and notes a little bit regarding the sporting world and uh, around the city of Detroit. Stay with us on the Motor City Sports Rant, Detroit Sports Podcast Network. All right, everybody, Doc here for the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. We added a brand new show titled The Justice Report. It airs and drops every Saturday, and Brandon Justice is the host. He is a wizard at Michigan Recruiting. He's there each and every week at the Michigan Games, and he's in the know. And if you want a great preview regarding Michigan athletics, what's going on with the football team, and all things regarding the University of Michigan, check out the Justice Report. It airs each and every Saturday. And for all news and notes regarding the Detroit Sports Podcast Network, please go to DetroitSportsPodcast.com. We're a network of Detroit Sports Podcasts with new shows released almost every single day. We greatly appreciate all the support. All the new subscribers on iTunes, we greatly appreciate it. Don't hesitate to give us a tweet at Detroit Podcast. I believe our Twitter page is one of the most interactive Twitter pages in the entire city of Detroit. So thank you again for your support. We greatly appreciate it. Follow us, tweet us, download, listen to all the shows, DetroitSportsPodcast.com. Motor City Sports Rant, Detroit Sports Podcast Network. You know how I heard about this song? How? Eric Ebron. His Snapchat is utterly hilarious. It's, it, if you don't follow Eric Ebron on Snapchat, um, on his uh, off days or when he drives home from uh, practicing, he'll jam some hip-hop music and he'll sing along. And uh, I was like, what is this he's singing about? But uh, Broccoli, huh? Good song. Broccoli good by Drum. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we should should have let in with some funeral march music because that's what I felt like watching that Michigan State Spartan game on Saturday. Was it a hangover or was it just lack of execution on all fronts? Because you had a big game victory versus Notre Dame. It took a lot out of you, but the victory versus Notre Dame now looks to be a little bit uh, not as you know, impressive look, yeah. when Duke goes in. Duke. How embarrassing is that? It cost the defensive coordinator his job. I dude, was watching have you it. seen that defensive coordinator, dude? They, they, he I, looks like a caveman. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Vinny at the moment calling the dude a caveman, but <laughs> the guy deserves to be fired. And yeah, that, that Notre Dame win definitely lost some luster. And I get that. I think it's a little bit of both that you came into that big game. You pretty much gave it your all to try and win the against Notre Dame. And you just fall flat on your face against, against this Wisconsin team that I think people really underestimated. And I don't get it. It, it, it absolutely made no sense. It, it's like they took their offense from the second half of that Notre Dame game and just said, let's just keep doing the same thing against Wisconsin because... Why not? Let's not let's not adapt to to who we're playing. I mean, I'm not sure did they did they not look at any tape of what Wisconsin's going to do? It it made absolutely no sense watching that game. 
Uh, you, so I, you put this one squarely on the coaches and the philosophy. No, I think you, you put that in the. I think you put it on the coaches, but you also there's got to be question marks again now about Tyler O'Connor. Everyone wants to put big, big uh, importance, big importance on his wins against Ohio State and wins against Notre Dame, and now he comes in and just has a he pooped the bed. He going up against Wisconsin, every ball he threw. It looked like he was just throwing a home run ball, and he was overthrowing guys like t- by ten yards. He looked—I thought he was Matt Stafford, but just a little bit worse because he couldn't hit a guy. And every, it seemed like everyone he was throwing to was always in double coverage. See exactly, and then obviously he didn't see Donnie Corley wide open, and he missed him. But it's obviously it's a game where you go, "Ooh, Tyler O'Connor," and you look at his last couple games. He hasn't looked like the guy that you feel confident is the number one. And then you go, oh boy, if you have these question marks, there's no guarantee that you're going to go out and win out. Because a lot of Michigan State fans are maybe thinking, well, we've done this before. We've lost a game and then gotten better as the season has progressed. But this is a different Michigan State team with a lot of different pieces and parts. And the obvious the obvious person that you look to is Tyler O'Connor. He's going to get the start. He's not going to be yanked right away. But you're going on the road versus Indiana. you got to go out there and show out and really play a solid brand of football. But in a football game, you got to look at the storyline. Despite the mess that Michigan State created in that first half, you're only down 13-6. to six. You got uh. the ball. You're driving. You're like, okay, this is good. You're establishing the run with the guy that you consider the team MVP in L.J. Scott. And all of a sudden, boom, he drops the football, forced fumble, and then you know it's picked up by Wisconsin and ran back to the house for a, a massive touchdown. That's a momentum killer. Definitely. A- and that really turned the tide. You score and get the game to 13-13, I really believe Michigan State turns it around and they're in it throughout the whole game. Maybe they don't win the game, but they're not getting housed. But, but once- good teams, though, are able to... Come back from that. I get that it sucks that you were driving. And yeah, I get it that that was it completely shifted the momentum to the Badger side. So that I mean, yeah, that was the turning point. But a a good team should be able to at least get a touchdown. We have talented wide receiver. I don't get why we're only rolling out there with two wide receivers. You know that you're going to probably throw just to Donnie Corley or throw an underneath route to RJ Shelton, and you're probably going to get him killed. So the the offensive coordinator is just frustrating, and that guy really needs to be on the hot seat. Dave Warner needs to be on the hot seat. Dave Why? Warner, it's a it's a co it's a co offensive coordinator too. Mm-hmm. I think they both need to be in the hot seat. I don't uh, disappointing the, all the team around. Was just and it, and it really wasn't just the offense. It was that the the defense could not get a stop. That they always just seemed to find a hole in our defense, and they were able to, they were just kept getting first downs. And when we needed a stop, we could not get a stop. It was one of the worst games that I've watched in the last couple of years for for the for the Spartans. Well, I think that's actually a worse loss than Alabama than the in the college football playoff. Listen, I disagree. There's been a lot of games where. You know, you see that Michigan State might not come and, and play well. You've had some some tough losses. You've had some blowout losses. Yeah, it's 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 a loss that you would say at home in front of your fans is not one that you want to see. But those losses versus Alabama were in key situations, and their stakes were higher. So there is some positive takeaway from this in that all the goals that are available for Michigan State are still attainable if they win out. If they go through and they defeat Michigan, who's going to come in probably ranked number one, two, top four, no doubt, um, if they can continue to play well. And you hope that they 
you know, as Spartan fans, you have to hope that Michigan defeats Wisconsin and they continue to come in at a high rank because that gives the value if Michigan State can execute a victory and play well. It gives them a boost in their ratings because right now they're around 16, 17 in the polls. They are not out of the top 25 yet. And Wisconsin is in the Big Ten West. So if you go out and you win, which is going to be very tough, but you got to win out, if you can regroup and really, really improve on the offense, and Tyler O'Connor really learns from the, from this game and doesn't turtle, and he really you know takes away some positives from this, then you have a chance to go through, win out, and maybe you face Wisconsin again in the Big Ten title game. You know you have a chance to get a reprieve from what happened, a chance to get some revenge. It's going to be tough. Yeah, you just made it infinitely. You got to win out. No, yes. Yeah. But for me, Jason, I had them going ten and two, nine and three, no matter what. Anyway, I had losses to Notre Dame. I had a loss to Ohio State. So. You know, the big game is going to be versus Michigan, and I believe that each and every week you just have to keep getting better. But right now, the team that you got to pay attention to is Indiana because if you have another hangover and you get down on yourself, whether it be the emotional things that are going on right now outside the program or if you get down on yourself for having a loss, Michigan State's teams have been known to regroup and play pretty well after losses. So I don't expect that, but... If they don't play at their peak performance, if they make the mistakes, Wisconsin's a team that if you don't play your best, they're going to whoop you. You know, they don't beat themselves. You got to go out there and beat Wisconsin. But if you don't play your best versus Indiana, then you're going to have a problem and you're going to be on the verge of maybe a 6-7 win season. And that's what's tough because, I mean, literally for me, I was mad that they got blown out, but I wasn't expecting them to get to a national title game or I wasn't expecting them to get to the playoff. The majority of experts, when you look at it, Tyler O'Connor's first year starting, had this year as a transitional year. I just want them to defeat Michigan, get better, and and finish the, the year strong, get to a decent bowl game. But, you know, going up against Michigan, Ohio State, and the those likes, and it's going to be super tough to have but a strong season. But is it wrong to expect more of this team? Jason, listen, it's not, I get, uh, it's I get, not Alabama I here. I get it's it not. against Wisconsin or against Michigan and Ohio State, but I don't think it's wrong to expect. What did you expect? I expected them to at least beat Wisconsin. Mm. That's what I wanted. I wanted them to beat the teams, and I wanted the teams. The the there was really three teams that that I that I marked on the schedule, and that was Notre Dame, and that was Michigan, and Ohio State. And those are your three games. You should not have lost to Wisconsin. Why wasn't there any game planning in in halftime? Why wasn't there anything that changed? I maybe they did change something, and then after that fumble, they just basically turtled and they they went home. Yeah, you're right. It they really need to focus on Indiana. And I, if you want to bring me back in in your good graces, uh, Spartan team, Spartan dogs, you better go out and hammer Indiana. If you if that's a close game at all, then I would just chalk this season up. This it's it's I mean it's essentially almost already a failure because you have to be perfect the rest of the way out if you want to have any chance making postseason or even making a, a New Year's Day bowl. With Michigan State, you have to say, okay, Mark D'Antonio has to take the reins, has to take the blame for this. And you say, well, okay, you had two weeks to prepare for Notre Dame. I don't know if the celebration for, you know, Sadler who passed away might have taken some uh, attention away from the team and focus. But you look at it and you go, okay, you put that one behind you. You got to move forward. You have to get better at some key areas. And you have to kind of, when you look at it, Michigan State has to be more creative offensively. They cannot just line up and run the ball, run the ball. Because, okay, now versus a team like Wisconsin, they punched you back in the mouth. And they were able to, you know, score some points off of you and and some mistakes you made. 
So a team like this, Michigan State, has to find um, new creative ways of scoring the, you know, running their offense. And like you said, Dave Warner should be on the hot seat. But no matter what, it all ends, you know, it begins and ends with Mark D'Antonio. He's got to prove all this. And if if Dave Warner can't do the job, you got to step in there and figure out somebody else who can. Yeah, and if if you ask me what they need to do, they need to they need to go to more of a spread offense. Lining up in you know the single the single back formation and with just two wide receivers out there, I think you need to give Tyler O'Connor as many options out there on the field to throw to because clearly if he if if his if the play is a pass to Donnie Corley, he is literally looking staring Donnie Corley down, and the defense a good defense is going to see that, and they're going to know, but let's just double cover that guy, or let's just watch where his eyes are, and he's not going to make his progressions down the road. So I think you need to run some sort of spread. Give Tyler O'Connor, he has a big arm, give him weapons to throw to. You you have the players on your team. You have the Madaris, you have RJ Shelton, you have Donnie Corley, you have some of those other receivers who I haven't seen play at all. I'm not sure if they're redshirting them, but you need to give him options to throw to. You can't just put two receivers out there and expect him to choose between one of those guys. Now, I know this is going to sound blasphemous, but I'm a guy that just speaks freely and likes to express what's in my head. And so now I've seen Mark D'Antonio take Michigan State from where they were to where they are now. Each and every year, they've, they've done well. He's run a decent program. You don't see too many significant violations that are tarnishing the program. But then you go to yourself, okay, when you play the elite, you get whooped by Alabama. Now you have a guy like uh, Connor Cook who comes in, in into your program after Kirk Cousins, Connor Cook. Who's the next guy up? You got Tyler O'Connor. You go, ooh, do you think he's as far along as he should be? Is this team really ready to take that next step and be more consistent? And then you go, well, 10 years is a long time at a program. And you go, well, okay, how far can Mark D'Antonio take you? Is this the ceiling? Is that good enough to say because, you know, I'm a guy that goes – you know, you had Nick Saban, and he walked out the door and became Nick Saban of college football, not at Michigan State. Now, I give credit to Mark D'Antonio. He took Michigan State to heights that I never thought I would see. But I'm not going to lie, the thought has crossed my mind now that a guy like Les Miles has been fired, and he's won a national title. But not in this era. A lot of people are looking at Les Miles as a guy that's kind of stuck in his ways now and hasn't evolved. But is it blasphemous to think that... uh Maybe if this pattern continues where you get whooped by teams and you just compete for the Big Ten year in, year out, that you look for a new coach? I don't think it's blasphemous. I think everything has to be on the table. But I think at the end of the season, you're going to see that D'Antonio is going to get as much as he can out of this team. And you, I think you are right. This year probably is that transition year. You have Tyler O'Connor, a fifth-year senior, that he, was, he, was, he hasn't been a starter for a reason his entire five years that he's been here. And I even I texted my brother uh, during the game on Saturday that, you know, put in Messiah DeWeaver. He's the, the freshman quarterback that we, that he was a highly recruited guy. Put him in, see what he can do. I want to see what else we have on this team. I, I, I kind of equate Tyler O'Connor right now to Andrew Maxwell. He was the guy who was going to come in and be Kirk Cousins. And Andrew Maxwell just could not get the job done. And we put Connor Cook in, and you saw what happened when we hit when we put Connor Cook in. I think you need to see what you have in your other quarterbacks. I think the mistake that you'd make though is if you put in Damian Terry, because Damian Terry is just another guy who's 
been in the the system for a while, and he's going to give you exactly what you see out of Tyler O'Connor. I want to see what the young guys on this team can do. I want to see. I loved Donnie O'Cor- Donnie Corley in the game against Notre Dame, and he made some fantastic catches in the game against Wisconsin. Put in your young guys. If this season already is going to be a transitional season, put in the guys and start building for next year because D'Antonio has built this team up and let's just get the ball rolling again so that when we come in next year, you know, you saw the what the kid from from Louisville, he was an unpolished, he was unpolished last year, but he was still very talented and now this year he's he has like seven touchdowns a game it's ridiculous i mean i'm not saying that whoever we got on our team is going to be just as good but you never know until you until you put him in the game man oh man yeah i want i like what mark d'antonio's done i like the i like his philosophy did you read the report today from the free press there was a report from uh, Brian Manzullo, a guy that's contributed to Vito's baseball podcast, a very good uh, web guy and a guy that provides a lot of content for the free press. And he took a little bit of flack in that he wrote a report that Mark D'Antonio's name is being floated around as you know a guy early on the list as a guy that LSU might target. And so a lot of people got on him and were saying that, well, this is clickbait and this is ridiculous and things like that. But in his article, if you actually click on it and read it, he says that it's not likely that D'Antonio is going to leave. But Mark D'Antonio's name, and it's not out of the realm of possibility, that Mark D'Antonio's name is going to be bantered about for coaching jobs because, you know, he's coming off of a season where he got his team to the National College Football Playoff, the Final Four. So to think that, to put your head in the sand, to think that Mark D'Antonio's name is not going to show up on lists, you should report it. I don't think it's clickbait, and uh, I think that's his job, and all power to him. Everything that we do, I mean— if there was somebody out there that we could talk to to get huge listenership, we'd go talk to him. Then LSU should try and go after Mike yeah. Antonio. I mean, well, any pretty much any of those SEC teams, and I get it, Vanderbilt, and there's are some crap teams in the SEC, but LSU is an established program. They, like you said, they've won national championships. Nick Saban won a championship there. Les Miles won a championship there. They're one of those top SEC teams. That should be. Mark D'Antonio should be on top of their list well, because that's a guy you could bring in. And now he's he's done what he's done with three and four star guys. Yep. And now he's going to be in SEC country getting the best of the players in the South. Well, a lot of people also mentioned that when you get outscored by Alabama 87 to 7 in your matchups, then you're going to have a problem. So, but with LSU's recruiting base and what you can do down there with SEC talent, Mark D'Antonio might be a home run there at LSU, but I don't think he's going to want to leave Michigan State. He's got it good. Yeah. I don't think the expectation's that high yet. Like, I think just people like me would just think it. I don't think there's any pressure. I mean, D'Antonio, if he wants to, and Michigan fans may go nuts after I say this, but if he wants to, he can stay here as long as he wants, and he's going to be our Bo Schembechler. Yeah. That's essentially what he is. You can even maybe even compare them a little bit more because... Bo never won a national championship. It's I think the jury's still out if D'Antonio can get to that promised land. But if he never wins that national championship, then it's essentially the same thing. Yes, sir. Now, before we get out of here, are you going to check into the debate that's going to take place between Trump and Hillary Clinton on Monday evening? I think me and my wife are going to turn it on for a little bit. Uh, being over the age of 18 and being a voting U.S. citizen, I'd like to know a little bit about... Uh, who we're going to be voting in to run our country for the next four years. 
I mean, I think we kind of already know that it's a bad situation either way, but I think there's one clear option that's, I think <laughs> it's, it's hard to not really get super political mm-hmm. talking about this, but uh, it's just a, it's a bad situation all around. Yeah, I'm going to tune in to see how, you know, Donald Trump's going to do for 90 minutes one-on-one versus Hillary Clinton, who's kind of the professional. And you got Donald Trump, who's been okay at the debates for the Republican Party. But I want to see, is he able to match wits? Are they going to go back and forth at each other? What, how are they going to handle this? Because it's going to be six 15-minute segments. So I'm going to tune in back and forth a little bit. Um, I'm a little bit surprised, though, in a talking point. As we record this, it's 2-2. Um, the Tigers are facing off versus Cleveland. The, the crowd at Comerica is sparse. There's a lot of Tribe fans because if they win, then they can celebrate on uh, at Comerica Park. But when Crisp homered to make it a 2 nothing game, uh, a lot of reports about loud cheering at Comerica Park because there's an infiltration of Cleveland fans. So, you know, it's a little bit of a sign of the times that maybe people believe after a series loss versus KC that uh, the time's up. But uh, J.D. Martinez homered. It's 2-2 right now. So as we're recording this, we're going to get out of here soon so we can watch the end of the game, Monday Night Football, and the debate. But it's a big week for the Tigers, a big, massive week. It's not going to be easy. No. Seven games, one and a half out as we're recording this. It's going to be tough, especially four in a row versus Cleveland. They almost, they almost did exactly what I predicted. On Saturday, when they were trying to close out that game against the Royals, I was about to tweet saying, I called it they were going to have one loss in this in this span in this week and that they'd have the wild card and then go go on to lose it. But then obviously K-Rod blew that game and they lost on Sunday. The possibility is still there, but you're going up against the team that you struggled against all season. And then I think the Braves are coming in, they're kind of hot at the moment too. So it's you you got to hope pretty much to I think you almost have to maybe you can't lose more than two games in the in this next week. I like think if you if you lose three, then you're it's it's done. Mm. You'd have to have a lot of help from everybody else to just eke into the wild card. And even at that point, I think you're talking about a tiebreak scenario where you're trying to tiebreak to get into the wild card. Yes, sir. Anything to speak of this weekend? I know you're gonna watch Michigan State, Lions, Bears. Anything exciting you at all besides watching the Tigers and the, the rest of the scene going on in Detroit sports? Oh, you got the Red Wings starting there. Uh, their preseason, which is a little exciting. You get to see what's going to happen. I think it might be a godsend that Henrik Zetterberg got hurt. So then we, we get to see a little bit more of uh, of the young kids and see what we actually got on this team. Uh, but other than that, we're celebrating my dad's birthday. Very nice. Very good. Anything planned? Uh, I think we're just going out to dinner. Okay. Very good. Thank you for your time. Get well quick. Got to get you back here next week. Ready to analyze what happens. Could be the end of the Tiger season. It could be the end of the Caldwell era as well. Yeah, if if they lose to the Bears next week, he really should not make it back to Detroit on that plane. But you know he will because Martha Ford loves Jim Caldwell. This is a different I th- I thought this is a different regime. I thought this was Martha Firestone Ford. This is fire and brimstone, man. Let's make it happen. Well, let's see what happens. Let's keep positive and let's see what happens and definitely we'll be back here on the Motor City Sports Rant to break it all down. You know it. Later. Idiot. Uh, f- you. Bye bye. <laughs>
Take care now. Bye-bye then. Loser.